to me, it was the right fit, you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness, there's going to be some griminess, but we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another special edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and we have reached day three of the NFL Combine. It was a very interesting morning. All of the offensive linemen at the podiums, I'm sure you've been following along on social media, Evan Neal, Iki Aquanu, say that three times fast, Zion Johnson from Boston College, many others that have spoken to the Giants or will speak to the Giants as we're going along. This has been my favorite show to put together. What we have for you on today's show, I think you're going to love. Jordan Reed from ESPN, to me, one of the best, if not the best, draft analysts out there. If you followed me and my coverage at NorthJersey.com and in the print editions of the record and across the USA Today network, I've considered Jordan one of the best sources out there. Followed him from his days at the Draft Network, and now he's gotten a well-deserved promotion uh, to the worldwide leader. So he is with ESPN. We talked yesterday extensively about the Giants, about the draft, what to expect in the top ten. Gave you names. He also put on his GM hat. I asked him to make his picks at 5-7 and seven and what he would do if he were Joe Shane. So that was just an awesome, awesome interview. I think you guys are going to love it. And then from this morning, I was able to get audio from Iki Aquanu. And he really put on a show. His personality is a perfect fit for the New York, New Jersey area. The only question is whether or not Aquanu and his game will be available for the Giants at 5. And I'll also have a story on that on NorthJersey.com, so make sure you check that out. But a good portion of the interview that Icky did with the media today, you'll be able to hear it first on All In uh, later in the show. Hope you guys are enjoying all the coverage that we're trying to provide out here in Indy. Uh, all the shows that we did, obviously Chris Sims being on it, uh, on the show. We've had sound from different players, and it's just been a blast so far, and we're going to close out the week uh, as strong as we can. So without further ado, let's get to Jordan Reed and do dig in on Giants draft talk, and I don't think you'll find any better anywhere else. All right, joining me now in Indianapolis, site of the NFL Scouting Combine. You know, this guy is a grinder. Two years ago, we were together here at the Combine and talking about that class and just had a feeling that Jordan Reed would be on the way up like some of these rising prospects. And Jordan Reed now at ESPN. Welcome aboard. Proud of the success that you've had. I feel like I was... There when you were on the way up and yeah. still ascending. So 
Thank you for joining me, Jordan. Absolutely. Thanks as always, Art. It's a pleasure being here. You know, you're one of my favorite people to talk to in the business. So it's a pleasure being on. Awesome. Pre- uh, you know, this is an interesting combine after a year away coming back here. What's your overall feeling, sense of where this draft class is in terms of talent, prospects, and and you know where things are headed over the next you know five six weeks well this class is a little bit different than what we have seen in years past just like any draft class is different but i think with this one it's a little bit different just because we don't have no quarterback at the top no bona fide quarterback one like we've seen the past three years whether it was kyla murray joe burrow even last year with trevor lawrence but the name of this draft is just the defense. There's so many good defensive prospects, whether it's edge rush or cornerback. I think there's some depth at linebacker too, but also on the offensive side, I think offensive tackle, running back and wide receiver, there's some depth there, but there's no surefire top of the line guys like we saw in years past. Obviously, you know, you know, we're here about the the Giants and this, you know, that's what this podcast is about. I mean, if sitting at five and seven in that situation, What's your sense of where they're at? Uh, you know, obviously they have a lot of needs. Joe Shane, Brian Dable come yeah. aboard. Just your take in terms of what they might be able to accomplish at five and seven. Whether it's offense or defense, I think they have to address the trenches. Whether it's offensive or defensive line, offensive tackle, I think there's a need there. Andrew Thomas turned into the player that the, that they thought he was going to be taking him with the top five pick a couple of years ago. But that right tackle spot, I think they can get an upgrade there. Matt Pert got hurt down the back stretch of the, the season. So I think they could be in the market for a right tackle. There's some interior spots that probably need some upgrades too. But edge rusher, I think that's an area where they could look to address whether it's at five or seven. Let's talk offensive line uh in the in you know in the top ten, to me when I look at it and I don't dig as deep as as you have, uh, it's Evan Neal of Alabama and then obviously Iki Aquanu from NC State as the top two guys. Those would be the guys that I notice. For you, if those two guys are available at five, is that a run to the podium? kind of guy for yeah, the Giants. Yeah, either one. I think you can't go wrong with either one of those guys. And I'll even throw in Charles Cross from okay. Mississippi State. I think taking him at five or seven, I don't think that would be a mistake either. So those three are probably your tier one of the offensive tackle class. And with Evan Neal, he's your run blocker that does have some promise as far as a pass protector too. There's some balance things and some issues that he needs to work out there. But Ikema Kwanu is much more athletic than Evan Neal overall. He does have some things he needs to clean up as a pass protector too. But as far as a run block, he has it all do you you know there's a lot of talk with the Giants like you said with the uh, offensive line but also with the defensive line and the edge rushers when you look at the Bills and the blueprint that the Bills put together when Shane was up with Brandon Bean uh, in Buffalo they didn't have a first round pick on the offensive line and they built it through you know, some shrewd moves. I mean, I'm sure people in Buffalo would still like to have Wyatt Teller yeah. there. They yeah. hit a fifth rounder and then and then end up he ends up in Cleveland. Uh, what's your sense in terms of the offensive line class this year? I mean, it, is it one of those things where you think you can get quality in the second and third rounds and really accomplish the rebuilding job that the Giants need to accomplish up front? Yeah, I, I think there's some depth at offensive tackle. 
uh, in the second and the third rounds. I think there's some names there that you could hear a lot, but the interior offensive line class isn't great overall, especially at center. If you're in the market for a center, you hear about Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa and then yep. also Kenyon Green from Texas A&M, who has versatility to play any three interior spots. So the interior depth is lacking a little bit, but second, third, fourth rounds of this offensive tackle class, I think there's some talent. Who are some of the Who are some of the guys that you like in that situation if you're not in the first round or even the tail end of the first round, early part of the second? Are there yeah. one or two guys you really like? Sean Ryan from UCLA is yep. one name that you'll probably hear a lot. He has inside and outside versatility. He's one name that I'm really intrigued by as far as the testing aspect. I think he could be one of the, the better testers overall. And then one deep name that I'll give you is Matt Willetsko. He's from North Dakota. He actually was at the Senior Bowl and just talking to some scouts here. He has a lot of things as far as from a foundation standpoint, some tools that you would like to work with. He's probably a year or two away from probably being a starter for you or even a, a, a excuse me, consistent contributor. But if you hang in there, you develop them and probably sharpen some of those tools that he has in his toolbox. You maybe could get a end of the line starter. Is he an interior guy or is he a tackle? He's an offensive tackle from North okay. Dakota. He was at the Senior Bowl and showed some promise. Just He just needs to get stronger. Right now it's the big thing with them very cool uh let's flip to the defensive side of the ball where are you on Kayvon Thibodeau uh, there's so much talk debate kind of reminds me a little bit of what happened with Greg Rousseau last year uh the idea of people are kind of knocking him down the board yeah. now whether or not he belongs down on the board he was always there yeah. where teams are trying to get yeah. him to slide down a little bit where do you stand on Thibodeau from from Oregon it's always funny just coming to the combine. You hear so many different rumors. Is it true? Is it not? You really try to just kind of block out the noise. And I think he's one of those players of where you want to block out the noise just because I think he's so talented. And he kind of reminds me of Jadavion Clowney coming out a little bit of where you see the flash plays, but those plays in between, you kind of wonder what happens. So I think with a hard coach, a good coach, and then some good veterans in the locker room, just trying to get him, get him to play 110% all the time. I think that's a little bit of the difference right now between him and Aiden Hutchinson. Hutchinson's going to go all out every single down, no matter the situation in the game. With Thibodeau, he does have some moments of where you kind of wonder what happened to him. So he, he's super talented, but the thing with him right now is that he has more upside than Hutchinson, but just the consistent down-to-down -down play and consistency with that, that's where you want to see him improve. But I will say this about Thibodeau. He started to, I think the light really turned on for him as the year went along. And I know he suffered the injury, but he came back, I believe it was, uh, in the Cal game. He had 11 pressures in the second <laughs> half alone, which is an astronomical number. But with him, he went from transitioning to what I like to call out-athleting the opposition to now putting a plan together as a pass rush. So I think with him, you just want to continue along his development, and I think he could be a high-end starter. Boy, if I'm the Giants, I'm sitting there at five, and I, I'm saying – you know, if I can get one of the, two, you know, you mentioned Cross. Obviously, he's in the mix. But if I can get either Neil or Aquanu, uh, or somehow Thibodeau pushes down to five, I mean, talking about Wink Martindale, yeah, Kevin Wilkins, the guys they have up front with Dre Patterson, and then Brian Cox being up there, yeah. I can't imagine what they would be able to do with a pass rusher with that kind of potential and talent with Thibodeau. And we saw what Andre Patterson was able to do with Daniil Hunter when right. he was in Minnesota, who has kind of that same raw label as Thibodeau coming out now. Daniil obviously went in the third round, and Thibodeau's going to end up being a top eight selection overall. So, but as far for, as far as from the tools aspect and what uh, Andre Patterson was able to do in years past. I'm, I would be really excited if he gets his hands on Kayvon Thibodeau. Would you be? Would you be surprised? I mean, look, there are Giants fans who are right now 
loving the idea that Thibodeau may be there at five. But how realistic is that? I mean, it, from what you're hearing so far, I mean, it, is it legit that there may be four guys who go ahead of him? It is. And, you know, there's various opinions on him. And there's some stuff that he has, you know, not necessarily in his background, but as far as just those in-between plays, yeah. there's some worry about that. And then with him, you're always going to wait. Can I get an edge rusher in the second round that can give me the same thing that Kip Kayvon Thibodeau can give me without using the top five or top ten selection on them. That's always what you weigh with those edge rushers. But me personally, I would have no problem. <laughs> I would run the card in really fast but if he was there. Is the is the edge class deep? Uh, you know, I've seen that. I taught you know, it's, hearing what you said, that was kind of the first thing that you said about the edge. Um, you know, the Giants have spent have been living in the second and third rounds trying to find that next pass rusher. Uh, is this a deep class or deeper than we've seen in the past couple of years that if you don't hit on five and seven with that position that you can get something in the second round? Yeah, I think through the first two days of this draft class, I think edge is loaded. And even if you don't take a Kayvon Thibodeau with either one of those top 10 selections, you can take a, a Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State, yep. MyJ Sanders from Cincinnati. And there's plenty of other names throughout this draft. I class. just say, we're not on video. Yeah. Your face is lighting <laughs> yeah. up as you're it bringing is. these guys it up. It is. I just can't wait to see these guys test. I think they're all going to test really, really good. So the story right now, if you would say what's going on at this draft, we may not have the quarterback, but you think by the time this combine's over, the edge guys will be the ones that everybody's talking about. Is yeah. that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think we could see as many as five, six, or even seven guys go in the first round. That's how deep this wow. class is overall. Uh, take me to corners a little bit. Uh, I always I always think as far as every position goes in the draft, this is probably the most difficult to kind of measure in the NFL of guys coming from college to, to the pros. Uh, Got to start with Sauce and, yeah. and the nickname, uh, but obviously Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. Who do you prefer, Sauce or Stingley in that situation, or at least from what you're hearing, is there a top guy or is it kind of, you know, different flavors for different teams? Yeah, it just depends. And the thing, the tricky thing about corner, I will say, is that there's so many different schemes and teams that play primarily zone. They're not going to have the same board as teams that play primarily man. So with that, I think both of those guys are primarily man corner. So obviously there's going to be some differentiation as far as 1A, 1B or if they have it one and two. But with Sauce, I actually was able to see him play live against East Carolina and I was blown away. By him, he's every bit of six two, six foot two and a half, probably around one hundred and ninety to one hundred ninety five pounds. Does need to gain a little bit of weight, but he plays physical. He loves to come up and defend against the run, which is something I think they're going to value in their new defensive scheme. But as far as a press man corner, I think he has it all to be a shutdown guy. And that's kind of the interesting thing, right? I mean, you know, you look at what the Giants had in Patrick Graham as defensive coordinator versus what Wink Martindale is going to do for the Giants, and that. I've been hearing so far that they look for different things at corner. You know, the idea is that, you know, Pat Graham will use zone on the back end mm -hmm. as he did with the Giants if he feels like he can't get enough pressure and it'll kind of mix and match. That's why James Bradbury's name, in addition to the salary cap number, has been yeah. mentioned as a possible trade candidate because Wink is more looking for that guy who's going to be out there, press. Right. You know, I guess, you know, when you send everybody, you, you yeah, need guys yeah. to be out there impressed. Yeah. Not that Bradbury can't do it. So you think Sauce is that kind of guy that in that kind of scheme would just be able to kind of yeah. line yeah. up on the boundary and 
lock it in. Yeah, I mean, he did that at Cincinnati. They would just put him on an island, and he was completely fine with that. He played inside and outside, so he has the versatility to go into the slot if they need him to, or he could play outside. But I will say this about Stingley. Stingley has all the ability in the world, but your best ability is your availability. He's yep. missed 15 games the past two years. He had the foot injury and ended up resulting in surgery last year, too. Nobody's questioning Derek Stingley's ability. Like, there were some mock drafts that had him going number one overall coming into the year. Right. So everybody thinks the world of his ability is just the durability aspect. Now, take me through, you know, this weekend, Monday, when, when we wake up on Monday and all you guys are kind of wrapping the combine and talking about it. Who's Give me one or two guys that you think are going to be the quote-unquote winners, the guys who, you know, come in this weekend and just blow the socks off everybody. So I think there's going to be three guys that really that we'll talk about as big winners. And I'll just stick to the Giants needs. The first one is Ike Aquano. I, I think he's going to run really well, probably in the low to mid four nines area, which is moving for his size yeah. of six foot four, 320 pounds. But I think with Evan Neal not participating in anything except their interviews, this is a big opportunity for him and Charles Cross. Charles Cross is doing everything except the bench press from what I've heard. So Ike Aquanu is one name that I think a lot of people are going to be intrigued by. Another one is Kyle Hamilton. I think he may be in play for five or seven. He's the best player in the draft to me. He's the top guy on my big board. And I know the Giants don't have a huge need at safety. I know Jabril Peppers is going to be a free agent this year. But yeah. When you're talking about a player that can unlock everybody on the defense, I think Kyle Hamilton is that type of player. And just envision Derwin, Derwin James and the effect that he has had on, on the Chargers defense. I think he's that level of player. And if you go back and redraft the year that Derwin came out, he's probably going to end up being a top 10 selection. And then the last one I'll mention is Kyler Gordon, who's a cornerback from Washington. Okay. I think he's probably going to jump 40 plus. Wow. In the vertical. And then also, he's probably going to run in the low to mid 4-4s, four too. So keep an eye on Kyler Gordon. All right. Last one, and I appreciate your time. And obviously, if you're listening here, you got to seek out Jordan Reed on Twitter. You got to follow everything on ESPN.com. He's one of the best out there and continues to grow. So, you know, again, I love you. I love following your coverage. You've been great. You're the GM. You're Joe Shane. He brings you in, the, or he brings you in the room and says, What's our ideal draft? You're sitting at five. What do you do at five and seven to really hit this out of the park for the Giants? Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit off the grid here with the second pick. The first one, I'm taking Ike Aquano there. I think he's such a perfect fit for the Giants, and it's because he can play inside or he can play outside. So if you want to play him at guard or a tackle, it doesn't really matter. We just need guys that can protect the quarterback. And I think the Giants are trying to do better with building up that offensive line. They already have the building block in place at left tackle with Andrew Thomas. So you go ahead and add Ike Aquano to that. You maybe have your bookends or you may have your guard of the future. So Ike Aquano would be the first pick. The second one, I'm going to go with Kyle Hamilton. He's the best player in the draft. And I think where teams go wrong a lot is they pigeonhole themselves into selecting certain positions. Yep. So you don't necessarily have to take a corner or a lineman or a D lineman, offensive lineman or defensive lineman if they're there. I'm all about taking the best player available just because that's when you start to build building blocks and you start to just add good players to your roster. And I think that's what the Giants need right now. So I'll go Icky at five and then Kyle Hamilton at seven. Now here's here's a curveball. I don't think it's possible, but if Aquano and Thibodeau are both there at five, you go Aquano still? Or uh, you go Thibodeau? Oh, you put me on the spot there. Um, I would go with Thibodeau just because he's the higher-ranked player on my board right now. And then when you're talking about – Taking two players that are of positions of need, you always take the best player, the highest player that you think the most of on your board. But we're talking about two players. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. 
Jordan Reed, fantastic as always. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great rest of the weekend, and obviously we'll be following you all across ESPN's platforms. Absolutely. Thanks as always, Art. So there you have it. Thanks much to Jordan Reed. And Jordan and I have already spoken about getting back together before the draft and when we have a better sense of where things are, how much has changed, where his board sits. So he's just a phenomenal guest, a phenomenal person. So I want to thank him again for joining us yesterday in his tight schedule. He goes with Ikiakuanu at number five. So that's the perfect lead-in. Thursday morning at the NFL Combine, 8.30, Ikiakuanu. You'll have some exchange with me, some other reporters, and I think you'll enjoy a man who talked about a fifth-grade production of 101 Dalmatians in which he played Pongo. Now, if any parents are out there or if you remember and go back to 101 Dalmatians or have seen the movie, you'll know what he was talking about. But either way, Aquanu really, you know, there's no question that he has the game and the personality just seems to be a great fit that he would thrive uh, in the Big Apple and with that spotlight on him. So remains to be seen. He could go number one to Jacksonville. He could go number three to the Texans. He could go fourth to the Jets. And if he were there at five, I believe the Giants would run the card up without hesitation. But about six weeks until we get to that point, here now is some of what Ikiakuanu had to say about himself and about the possibility of maybe going to New York and New Jersey to play for the Giants and the Jets. Uh, I kind of just started pointing out defenders this year when I pancake them. Uh, that was pretty fun for me to do. Uh, I, I talk a little bit less than I did my freshman year, but I, you know, if they talk to me, I try and talk back. So, but uh, I mean, I just, I just love just dominating people, and I feel like you see that on film all the time. Just the different ways I can do that. It's been quite a while. It's been a while since offensive lineman went first overall. What would it mean to you if, if you were? Yeah, it mean a lot to me. It definitely mean a lot to me. I think I'd be the only the, the third interstate uh, player to go number one overall. So you know, having that legacy, having that history to it, uh, means a lot to me as well. But you know, I worked you know really hard um, all throughout my, my years at interstate, all throughout this offseason. And you know, I, I definitely I wouldn't be shocked if I went number one overall. I feel like you know that's something that I put the work in for, and you know I feel like uh, when that time comes, I, I would deserve it. Does that bring a lot of pressure? with it? Uh, I want to say pressure. You know, I always have expectations and, uh, but, you know, like I said, about my work ethic, you know, I've never been shy to put the work in, you know, and I, I just, you know, want any coach, you know, that can potentially drive me number one overall, that I'll definitely put the work in and I'll definitely live up to those expectations and do everything, every, every, do everything I can every day to, you know, live up to those expectations. Is there anything you would be surprised by? Would be surprised by? No, sir. Uh, you know, I just... I feel like I prepare really well, you know, for my opponents. Prepare really well for scenarios. So I wouldn't be really surprised by any scenario. My strengths, my physicality. Uh, I feel like my dominant nature. I just, you know, I love running to the ball, whether that be helping a teammate, but teammate up, or just, you know, finding someone I can just hit. You know, I chase the ball, I chase plays, and I just feel like a lot of my plays, a lot of my most dominating plays, are made downfield. So I feel like that's one of my biggest strengths. No, I didn't look at the mock drafts, uh, especially not during the season, because there's just so much uncertainty with the draft and everything. And you know, I just really wanted to focus on you know the moment at hand and you know 
during the mock draft during the season, you know, the, you know, the, the main focus for me was just winning games. And so even during now, I don't look at the mock drafts. I just put the work in every day, and uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Well, I study, you know, a lot of defensive players. You know, Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack, um, Micah Parsons. I've been looking at too because of his versatility and how he plays the game. I feel like that's kind of you know, a new hybrid position that the uh, the NFL is starting to look look for for guys to fill. So, Micah Parsons definitely got some great film to watch for sure. Von Miller, some of the OGs, Aaron Donald. You know, a lot of those guys. You know, definitely excited for that level of competition. Uh. I mean, it's definitely, you know, uh, less space to work with. So that's, that's definitely something, you know. Uh, you know, watching my film in 2020 when I was at guard, I definitely try to probably add too much tackle technique uh, when I was playing guard. So that's something that I would have to work on, you know, making sure I can really – I know I can play in the phone, but just really refining my technique at guard, making sure I'm uh, definitely a lot more lateral in my, in my pass protection instead of kicking bad vertical. What left tackles do you study? Yeah, have more space, yeah. Yeah, so some of my well, what, my favorite lineman in the league right now is definitely Trent Williams. Uh, I actually stole some of his techniques. The, the chop block I stole from him, um, and then I stole the, the backside the backside snatch block as well. But I definitely watch a lot of Trent Williams film. You know, seeing his dominating nature paired with his technique is something that you don't really see a lot in that position. Uh, Trent Williams is definitely one. Larry Tunsil, I watched a lot of uh, growing up. Uh, Tyron Smith, you know, he's had some of the best technique in the game. Teron Armstead. Um, and when I was playing guard, I watched a lot of Quentin Nelson film, a lot of Quentin Nelson film, uh, Nick Petonio. So, you know, I definitely, I definitely have a lot of guys like to, you know, pick technique from and watch film of. So when you, when you were playing guard, you said you were using your tackle techniques. I mean, like you were stepping back or, or what, what, what was? Uh, I think just mentally, I just wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't playing as much in the phone because I should have, you know, okay. when you're playing guard, it's definitely tighter window. You don't have as much space to work with. So okay. that's definitely something that as I kept playing guard, I tried to improve more and more. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that made me sing. Uh, I'll definitely take that serious. Try and go all out, you know. So, so everyone, I can sing a little bit. Ooh. No, I can't do that right now. Y'all gotta wait. I'm sure there's gonna be a video or something during, you know, rookie minicamp of me singing. So y'all can y'all can see that. You got a go-to? A go-to song? No, I don't. I don't. I kind of just. I like. I like to. I like to. I hum a lot. You know, I sing a lot. That's kind of like my. Like if I'm bored, I just start humming or start start singing a little bit. So I was actually in the MRI machine the other uh, yesterday, and I was singing. They had uh, the speaker going uh, with some R and B, some scissor going. So sang a little bit for them. I'm sure they heard me over the mic. <laughs> what grade was that when you were at Pongo? Pongo, I think I'm uh, fifth grade. Sorry, not yet. Uh, I hope so. You know, I have a couple for me interviews today, so I definitely look into that. But yeah, it'd be great to meet with them. Uh, some of my best games from this year are probably Mississippi State, uh, Clemson game, and uh, I say I say Louisville is probably my three best games this year. Uh, I just feel like I just was dominating all over the field, especially Mississippi State. Um, I was going back to back clips and putting guys in the dirt. Uh, we ran a lot of wide zone that game, which is definitely a staple for NC State, and I definitely got to show off some of my abilities, you know, running in space and blocking dudes downfield. You. I probably do everything. I'm not sure about bench yet. That'd be a, a game day decision about oh. bench, but the running, the 40 uh, jumping, all that sort of stuff, I'll, I'll be doing. Icky, two more, Icky, two more, Icky, you mentioned you had family and friends in New York and New Jersey. Whereabouts and what fam- how close are you family-wise? Yeah, so my aunt and uh, my cousin stay in Valley Cottage, New York. 
and then my uh, uncle and my cousin stay at East, no, West Orange, New Jersey. I want to make sure I get that right, West Orange, New Jersey. Uh, so, yeah, I visited them a couple of times. We used to go to New York a lot, uh, New Jersey a lot. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely definitely a good environment for me. You think your your personality fits in that area? I say so. You know, I, uh, I, when you think of New York, I mean, what, what are you thinking when you think of New York? Home. Home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like, you know, it's definitely a good environment for me. I feel like I fit right in. A perfect fit. That's pretty much, I think, what you have with Iki Aquanu, North Carolina State offensive lineman. As he said, he's got family in Valley Cottage, New York. He has family in West Orange, New Jersey. Made that distinction between West Orange and East Orange. So obviously, you know, he's had those conversations with family, uh, knowing the details of towns in New Jersey. Uh, As I wrote in our story on NorthJersey.com, I have no doubt that he wants to be the number one pick overall. But it would not surprise me that down the line he would admit that instead of going to Jacksonville, that he would prefer being in New York and New Jersey with the Giants or the Jets. But that's a long way off at this point. But it was a great interview with Aquanu. Just his size. He just looks totally – he looks the part of an offensive lineman where Evan Neal of Alabama, who's outstanding and – Giants would sprint to the podium for him as well, I believe. And he's 336 pounds. But if you look at Neil, he almost looks like a defensive end or, um, you know, almost like the body type of an OCU Manura. And I don't know where he's hiding the weight, but he's certainly hiding that weight uh, when we saw him uh, at the podium as well after Aquanu talked. Uh, So I hope you enjoyed today's show. I loved putting it together. Like I said, I can't say enough about Jordan Reed. I thought it was a great interview. He gave a lot of great insight and information, and we will continue to do that. He's a friend of the program, and we will have him back uh, before the draft. And then, obviously, you got to hear a little bit about Iki Aquanu. And if you're a Giants fan, dream a little bit about being able to put Aquanu on the same line as Andrew Thomas uh, and then you go to war, and I would imagine that uh, might make you feel a little bit better about where the Giants stand on the offensive line. So thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for downloading and, and listening. Please go to NorthJersey.com. Continue to support my coverage of the Giants. Digital subscription special right now, $1 for six months for new subscribers. If you haven't subscribed already, this is a great time to do it. You'll get the entire off season. And lead up right to the regular season. And then hopefully you like what you've seen and you recommit uh, to being a part of our coverage at the record, NorthJersey.com and across the USA Today Network. So as I say every week, we appreciate your commitment and being all in. And that's why we're all in as well. We'll talk to you next show.